if you start researching what happened right after uh, the Nat Turner Rebellion, you're going to find that a lot of the land that Blacks owned was sold off um, because the white person, the white man... This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things Black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. Wouldn't you like to be a guest on Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham? Well, the link is in the show notes. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Welcome to this edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Uh, Very excited about the upcoming I guess this is a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of working with um, over the course of the last six months and have really gained a wealth of knowledge as a result of uh, his participation uh, as a financial advisor. He is someone that I like to say has done a lot of due diligence in this regard, um, more than 12 years experience uh, working in the financial services sector. Uh, we are interviewing today none other than Mr. Curtis Lassiter. Curtis, how are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you doing, Blair? Glad to be here. I'm doing well. A little bit of a sinus scenario, so I apologize if I'm a bit nasal today, uh, but I'm feeling great and I'm excited to excited to talk with you, uh, particularly given the current kind of landscape as it relates to investing, you know, coming out of COVID as it were um, and all of the changes that we have seen um, by way of obviously laws and um, industry and so forth. So uh, I think this will be a fruitful conversation uh, for, for everybody involved. So so thank you for your time today. Well, thank, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. After a, a challenging year, um, what signs of hope uh, are being seen by investors in 2021? Well, there's there's a lot of lot of signs of hope. Um, we we went pretty much to the bottom in a lot of a lot of different categories, and sometimes you can get to a point where there's no way to look but up. And so there's a whole lot of hope. There's a whole lot of money on the sidelines. There's a whole lot of extra room to grow in the run with. So, so we're expecting a lot of good earnings from different companies, um, different sectors. And I'm very excited. I think the industry and in general is very excited. There's a lot of things to look forward to. So now is a really good time to at least start to look at investing. Start to look at your portfolios and just try to make sure that you're going to be able to take advantage of some of the stimulus packages that have come out very recently. So I'm, I'm very excited. I like how you said that money on the sidelines, right? Uh, when I think about opportunity, I sort of went down a rabbit hole earlier in my head, just thinking about all of the industry that's been created as a result of COVID. You know, so many ways to enter, um, not just from an investing standpoint, um, but, you know, also from an entrepreneurship standpoint and just hoping that people are kind of dialed into what's taking place, mm-hmm. um, thinking about how they can capitalize, you know, um, you mentioned one avenue, uh, the piece about um, 
some of the different stimulus packages that are coming down. Uh, I, th- I, I mean, certainly viable, but I think there's so many others, you know, if we lead into our creativity. So, but let me ask you this question. Are there still potential risks? Yes, and one of, the, one of those risks is, is inflation. So if you were to look at the market last week, there was, the market went down a little bit, and one of the concerns was inflation. So prices are starting to elevate a lot faster than what the government was expecting, than what a lot of investors were expecting. Um, so last week there was a little temper tantrum. So there was some people that was basically people selling a little bit with that concern. But they're looking at that more than what we what we would call transitory inflation. And what that is, is more of a temporary inflation mechanism. So normally when you do have robust inflation, the Fed will step in and they will start using some of their tools, for example, raising interest rates. But since it's transitory, they were thinking it's going to be more temporary. So since it's temporary, they're not really going to raise interest rates. So I, I would say about the last couple of days, you've seen the market a little bit more flat. But that is that's one of the that's one of the headwinds. And then there's always there's always unexpected things that can happen. Also, um, you know, just just consumer confidence. Any any other thing but very recently it, it has been inflation and I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one other one other example about two weeks ago you know we had a disruption in gas so that caused that caused a that big, was a key yeah I'm glad you brought that up go ahead and I, and I can't make this up like these are these are things that that we were predicting that can possibly be headwinds, just like a disruption in something geographically. And, it, and, and what do you know? Two weeks ago, we had our little short-lived gas prices, which was scary. It, you know, everything is scary when you're going through it. So those those two things right there come come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pivot a bit. And let's talk about. Um, your thoughts on tips for a sound investment process. So folks that may be new to investing or even some seasoned investors, you know, may feel like they're not getting the best advice or um, they could be doing better, as it were. What what tips do you typically uh, provide when you're talking to people about how they should think about investing well first of all you you really need to look at you and be honest with yourself um honest with your goals and your priorities those those two things are extremely important goals and priorities and then you come up with a strategy to help you achieve your goals and strategy i'm sorry your goals and priorities what some people try to do is they just go in and they just want to want to invest really without any type of strategy or purpose. But when you, you're honest with yourself and you look at what's, what's very important to you and what important to you can be your, your children, 
It can be you wanting to purchase a home. It could be you wanting to retire early. It could be you wanting to uh, accumulate a million dollars. Whatever whatever your goal or priority is, that's the strategy that we need to sit down and talk about to make sure that you want to be the hit that. And then it's good to just have checkpoints and work work with work with you work with work, work with an advisor. If an advisor is not doing that, then that's one thing that you want to do and want to include. One of the things I do with my clients again is I try to make sure that I have checkpoints and making sure that I'm having communication with my clients. And the reason why I do that because guess what? What might be a priority today might not be a priority tomorrow. Things change. And we have this we have this thing that happens which is called life. So you can be, for example, you can be married and all of a sudden you separate, your priorities might change. But if you are not having a communication strategy with your advisor and your advisor is not picking up on that, then that's a, that can be a problem. Um, vice versa. You can be a single person, you want to get married, or, or you can all of a sudden have children coming to the, to the um, picture. Blair, you know what? A lot of us, a lot of us, especially in this generation, now I don't want to tell my age, but in my age, I'm, about, I'm in my 40s. But, you know, we have, some of us have parents. Like we live with our parents or the parents, our parents are moving in. We also have children um, that are in college, um, some of them younger. So we're almost like a somewhat of a, of a sandwich generation. But it's good to make sure that that we're talking to somebody so that an advisor would know about these different things. So everybody, everybody's different. Everybody has a different, different, different things going on in their life. And so again, I'm, 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 I know I keep repeating this, but I think it is worth repeating. Communicate what's going on in your life, what's going on when it comes to your priorities and goals. And just make sure that your advisor is on point with whatever your goals are. Because that's the person that's supposed to be helping you get to get to wherever it is that you're trying to get to. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. So then in terms of supporting clients with their long-term goals, it's really about, it sounds like it's about setting some short-term kind of benchmarks for... Yes. Um, time that we're going to actually spend together reviewing um, who I am and what it is that I'm looking to do. That's what it sounds like, right? That's that's exactly what it is. And Blair, you know, there, there are a lot of people that may not want to look at everything over a 10-year, 20, 30, 40-year time horizon. Some people want to make their money now. And some people want to be able to have access to Again, being more tactical, what we would say, and being able to maybe buy some some short-term stock so that they can, in turn, capitalize on, on those opportunities. And again, there's people like that. So what I try to do is just try to make sure that I'm, I'm there um, to give them advice, give them some of our data of what we think is going on uh, with particular companies or or what the street is saying, saying about those companies. And yeah, and just give give our clients an all-around 
all-around strategy to be able to hit those goals, whether, again, whether they're short-term or long-term goals. Right. So, okay. In the portfolio management process, um, you know, I'm keen on social media to individuals who are um, stock market happy, let's just say. You know, they're watching what's taking place. Oh, everybody needs to do this. Oh, everybody needs to do that. You need to pull this. You know, and and maybe there's a a place for that, you know, in investing. Um, I'm certain that there is. But talk to us about the importance of discipline um, when you are managing a portfolio. Okay, so there's this little strip. This I don't want to call it a secret, but a lot of us who've been in the market for a while understand this. Understand this. The market. And when I'm talking about the market, I'm talking about the stock market. All right, in general, and we can we can talk about almost any index, especially when it comes to stocks or equities. But the market drops. People get scared, um, fearful. Some people may call it capitulation, where they just start selling, okay? They start selling, and when you sell out of the market, that market goes into, it goes goes somewhere, all right? A lot of times, it, a lot of time on the short, short term, it goes right into cash. And it sits there until people feel more comfortable coming back into the market. Now, sometimes there might be a situation where, let's say if the Fed, what we call, call it, may have to step in and start to add more money into into the market or pump the pump the economy up with more money. That money again has to go somewhere. Okay? So it will you'll see it over time. It happens all the time. It flows eventually right back into the market. The problem is people get fearful and they don't want to stay in there when the market is going down because they really, they really believe that the world is going to fall apart. And they believe that their portfolios and their 401ks and their IRA, all of their investments are going to fall apart. And so they sell it. And some of them are even what we call time, trying, attempting to try to, to um, time the market. And the problem with doing that is that when you, when you're going through it, and you're going through all of the chaos in the market and everything is, and you feel that everything is falling apart, you don't realize that you're also, even though you're seeing a lot of a lot of big drops on a daily basis, you're also seeing the biggest gains in the history of the market um, that are happening all at the same time. So we have, we have charts and one of the Let things I interrupt you really quickly. Okay. You use a phrase. You use a phrase. Time the market. What does that mean exactly? So some people think that okay. So if I move my money out, so let's say let's say something in the economy. Let's let's use, use the pandemic. All right, use the pandemic. Let's say a person has a diversified portfolio. They have mutual funds basically, and we have an event that happens. Okay. All of a sudden, the stock market drops about 5%. So what they end up doing is they sell everything. 
and that's timing the market. And, and, and but they sell everything with the intention of coming back in, but they just want to try to ride everything out. Okay, so what they do is they sell out, and then okay, the market may go down some, but you never know when you get to that bottom point. Because when you get to that bottom point, the market always, it shoots right back up. It's almost like a rubber band or like an elastic. It shoots up and it shoots up fast. And what you, what ends, ends up happening is that in a very short term, short time, in a very narrow window, you will miss the best days on a bull run. And if you do that, if you do that too many times, and really, let me back up, it doesn't have to be too many times. If you do that and and miss out, you can miss there are years where people have missed out on, you know, 100%, 200% in a decade. Um, there's many decades when that's happened. If you, if you were to miss out, let's say on the top 10, the top 10 best days in the market, just in a decade, the best 10 days in the market in a decade. But if you would have stayed in there, you would see that your portfolio will be so much higher. So I've, um, I have seen clients, I've been doing this for a while, but there are a lot of people and a lot of my clients are already trained to understand how this works. So that when we do have these events, uh, one of the things they might do is they might even wanna put more money into it when the market is is down, all right? Because that's a, it's a sale, it's a fire sale. And, and when things are cheap, the best time to buy is when again when things are cheap you go in you buy it at a cheaper price and that's an investment and then as the market starts coming back then you see your you see your investments grow and that's one of the things that i try to again try to implement in my clients um habits just to make sure that they understand that so makes sense stay, stay in and stop trying to time everything that's that's always that's always a losing strategy. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you. I've got just a couple couple more questions here. This is a fascinating topic. Um, asset allocation. What is that, and why is it important? Well, there are different different assets that that can make money for individuals. Um what individuals, companies, whatever it is. And let's say, let's say you have stocks. We were just talking about stocks. So Mm -hmm. you have stocks. You also have what's called bonds. Um, Some people may call that fixed income. Um, You have cash. You have, you have commodities. You know, you have oil, different things like that. Um, You have, there's also alternative investments. Again, different, different, different. There are different types of assets, all right? And you can, and we can break them down even into sectors within different asset groups, all right? For example, with stocks, you have your international, you have your domestic, you have your large cap, you have a small cap, mid cap. It's smart to, it's smart to diversify them and try to take and try to be advantageous and take advantage of the different asset groups when they are about when when they're about to perform okay or while 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 they're invested so sometimes let's say for example if equities are are doing really well you may want to position yourself in 
inequities of course and just try to especially if there's momentum so you will do that and then let's say in another quarter you might want to reallocate okay reallocate your your asset allocation and if you are a more moderate type investor let's say you have and i'm just using the traditional 40 percent in bonds 60 percent in stocks if all of a sudden that portfolio goes from 60% because it's had a good run, goes from 60% of your portfolio to 90%, then you being a moderate investor would really be at more risk because if the market drops, then now 90% of your portfolio is in stocks and 10% of it is in the more conservative investments, let's say for example, bonds. So it's good to understand the asset allocation and to make sure that you are paying attention to it and make sure that you are rebalancing it to be true to your strategy. Okay. Things change. Um, Some parts in your portfolio may do really, really well. Um, Some parts of your portfolio may not, may not have done well, but there's a good forecast that they may start to do well. So you may want to move more money into that, that opportunity while it's while it's down and you can purchase them you can purchase more of that asset group at a cheaper price but yeah these are these are some of the things that we look at when it especially when it comes to asset allocation um at merrill lynch we do have we do have situations where we will take we will look at different fund managers and we pick who we want to to manage in each particular um, asset group, and if we like that, if we, if we have if we see that some of these managers are, are pretty much winners, or we like their strategy in certain scenarios, we'll pick them and put them in and put our clients in those portfolios. So that, again, so we can be very tactical and strategic, not yet yeah, in a, in the way we invest with our clients and just being opportunistic, um, so we can make money for people. No doubt. So okay. <laughs> I think there is <laughs> I have a person tell me he, he, he likes to make introductions for others. I like to make introductions for him. And the only person I don't want an introduction to is a financial advisor. And I was thinking, man, why would that be the case? <laughs> this person's a CPA, right? Uh-huh. Um, but what is it that people are generally looking for? Or what should they be looking for? They're interviewing financial advisors you know what what types of things should they be looking for and what types of things should they avoid well if you're looking at let's say and i'm just i want to use this as an example let's say a person is 50 years old and they want to they want to retire when they're like 50 years old but they they're pretty savvy with the market they're pretty savvy with um with planning and they understand that they, this money needs to last a long time. So it may need to last for the next 20, 30 years, okay? And it's it's a good practice. Anytime you're interviewing with someone, and whether you're interviewing for a financial advisor, um, an employee, if you plan on that person being part of your strategy over a two-year, 20-year period, you want to make sure that that person is is really you know is listening to you. You want to make sure that that person understands you. If that person doesn't understand you, you want to make sure that that person has the ability 
and is motivated to understanding you. Okay. There's a difference between an advisor understanding you and telling you everything, what to do. Right. You are the final, you make the final choice on whatever type of investment that you do. When it all comes, when it comes down to it, you are pretty much going to be responsible for how your investments grow. But it's smart to make sure that you are working with someone that has your best interest. Um, again, understand what's going on in your life that you feel comfortable with telling what's going on in your life because you're going to be working with this person. All right. Again, if you're a 50 year old person and you want this money to last you till retirement, guess what? You may want to work with someone that you don't mind having a relationship with and having to communicate with for the next 20 years or 30 years. And again, it's not a contract that you have to stay with somebody that long, but it's, it's good practice and it's prudent to make sure that you are knowing what you're getting into and making sure that you are liking the person that you're working with and that person understands you as an individual. Okay? Um, I, 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 I sort of wish that people wouldn't feel, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't feel uncomfortable about talk, talking with a financial advisor because there's, there's a lot of us that yeah, we, we have a genuine interest in in working with people and helping people hit certain goals. Curtis, we're going to wrap up with this question, and that is, what do you enjoy about working with clients? Well, I enjoy the same way clients are interviewing and looking for someone to work with. I'm also looking. I also look for clients that I like working with, also. And believe it or not, I um. And you're asking me again. You're asking me about what is that I enjoy about it. I I get a lot back from my clients. I learn a lot about life from my clients. Um, most of my clients are older. Okay. Um, me, for example, I I probably went through this whole look this whole retirement process maybe maybe over a thousand times just over the year, just talking with people, um, knowing just. Yeah, just knowing the different processes, knowing what it's like. Um, again, having all these conversations. So I'm a, I'm a professional at being a retiree and being and being on the eve of retiring. But I'm not a professional at being a human being all the time, being 40 years old. So guess what? I pick the minds of a lot of my clients, um, and I learn a lot from them. Because there's a lot of things that they've been through that I may have not have been through. So I enjoy having my meetings. I enjoy um, our client reviews because I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot out of out of our meetings the same way they're getting um, out of me. Again, mainly what I do is is make sure that, that I'm managing the financial piece. But as we all know, money is 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 very important. Okay. And I and I am extremely blessed that people trust me with their life savings, all of that, and in achieving those type of goals. I, I, I am extremely blessed to be in that position. But I also understand that money is not always everything. Right? There's there's been plenty of times where a client may come in 
and I, you know, I have all of their financials, all of their performance charts. Um, we're getting ready to go over this, and they just say, Curtis, put that to the side. We we're coming over here, Curtis, because we like we want to talk to you about what's going on in our life. All right. After a while, once we once we establish that trust, and they start to trust me, and they understand, you know, because. I'm trying to be transparent about the investing. I make sure that I'm a listener, and and that's that's what a lot of people, that's what a lot of clients are looking for, also. And again, it's awesome career, um, awesome. I don't I don't even call it a job. It's an awesome career and practice to be in. So beautiful. I appreciate you so much. This has been a fun talk as always. Curtis Lassiter. Curtis, what is your phone number? Um, my phone number is 757-599-2342. Awesome. And my email is um, curtis.lassiter at ml.com. Curtis.lassiter at ml.com. Perfect. Okay, well, I definitely look forward to having you back on, particularly um, as things progress. I think we're going to see a lot more changes. So Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful to have another conversation with you soon. Awesome. Awesome. Curtis, thanks so much for stopping by. Curtis.lassiter at ml.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Black Wall Street Today on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back to this edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Talking now with Hampton artist, Mr. Richard Press. Richard, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. Look, I stopped shy of a full introduction. I know you have a wealth of experience and education and so forth. Um, Why don't you share just a little bit about your background and your incredible collection of art? Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm an Eastern Shore native. Uh, For those that don't know, that's around Cape Charles, Virginia, still in Virginia. Uh, I went to uh, Norfolk State where I received my um, BFA. And um, since then, I have been very much involved in uh, not just producing art, but encouraging art, teaching art, and uh, trying to um, have coalitions of art uh, artists in the area to come together to produce shows and to be able to display and sell our works. I've been in quite a few exhibits myself. Um, my most re- recent accomplishment was um, I was featured in USA Today in their documentary on slavery in America. Uh, some of you are familiar with the 1619 Project. So um, so that is the documentary that you can find on um, Google or some YouTubes. So lately I've been involved Congrats. in some things for the community. Well, thank you. Uh, some things for the community. One of the things that's coming up now is uh, Juneteenth. Of course, we celebrate Juneteenth because uh, we actually we commemorate Juneteenth because it was the day that um, uh, the emancipation was fully put into operation. Of course, we know the Emancipation Proclamation was in 1863, but it wasn't until 1865 that the state of Texas uh, recognized it, which means that there were two extra years that slaves had to uh, be in bondage 
before they recognized it. So that happened on June 19th, 1865. So now we, we celebrate or we commemorate June 19th. Every year, the downtown churches in Hampton, which is about 40 churches, will get together and they will march from downtown Hampton to the Emancipation Oak at Hampton, uh, Hampton University. There they will have a program and they will you know, tell the purpose of Juneteenth and then they will march back. So this year I've been asked to facilitate a youth art exhibit. And it will be a jewelry, yes. And it will be a jewelry art exhibit. So I am trying to solicit youth, not just from city of Hampton, but from anywhere that, um, that can send me pictures to my email, which is our P-R-E-S-S-S-R at AOL.com. That's three S's. And uh, we will jury the artwork. And on that day, on June 10th, June 19th, the, uh, the city of Hampton is going to have tables displayed in front of City Hall. And we will display all of the artwork. Um, the great thing is that uh, I'm going, the ages range from 10 to 24, but they're going to be categorized so that it's fair. The winner of each group will be able to display their artwork for a whole month in an art gallery in downtown Hampton. Uh, the, the whatever the winning piece is, and at the at the culmination of that month, those particular youth will be able to bring out their portfolio and invite family and friends to come over and to look at and to view all of their works. So we hope it's a great opportunity for the youth. And we hope, number one, to get some youth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm certain that you will. Um, I've, of note, I've gotten a couple of people reaching out about other kinds of Juneteenth celebrations that are taking place and poetry that they've been asked to to write and perform and um, just a number of different opportunities. Is Juneteenth only recently became something that, you know, has become a bit more mainstream. And so I think with that, you're seeing uh, a lot more opportunities to engage. Let me ask you about the theme for this year's event. Still walking, still walking for racial justice and equity. That's that's heavy. <laughs> you know, right. you have that kind of uh, picture of the, the boot print. Um, and it just reminds me of you know, the ways in which 2021 has already been a lot like, and in some cases worse than 2020. Uh, what do you hope that this kind of event will engender? What do you hope that it will inspire in its participants? Well, just about everything that we do when it comes to art exhibits uh, is not only just to show art, but it is the underlying a purpose of, of all the exhibits that we do is to educate. Um, that's why in most of the artwork that you see that uh, well that my group does, there are generally stories behind the art. Um, we we know and I know personally that a lot of the rich history of our race was not afforded to us. Uh, um, I can remember in high school getting used books from the white schools when they when they finished with their book their books 
instead of us getting new books, they would give us the books from the, the white school and pages would be torn out. The same pages in each book would be torn out, you know, purpose, purposely wow. um, create, creating a, a sense of ignorance in us. Um, so I had an opportunity to teach at a high school, Booker T. Washington High School in Norfolk, where I tried to correct some of those um, uh, misinformations and, and I'm glad I did. But now, you know, uh, as artists, we can do that in our art now. And we don't want to create something that uh, is uh, is negative, but we do want to show what the negative aspects of our history was. So we hope, so to answer your question, what we hope to do is to inspire people, number one, to learn your history, and number two, to try to do something about it. And the, the boot and to keep on walking is, is more a metaphor that we should not rest on, on what we know because we always know there's so much more out there to learn. And if we stop walking and if we stop talking and if we stop trying to pursue our history, then we're not making any kind of footprints at all for the people that's coming behind us. That's pretty powerful. This idea of, of making footprints um, we've got about four minutes remaining. There's a list of six different types of reparations. So you have a return to sovereignty or political authority, which is important, right? Truth right. commissions. Truth commissions. That's really important, right? Because that gets at the heart of what we're talking about is, <laughs> you know, what is the real story? Right. Um, group entitlements. So certain fringe benefits associated with you know your particular ethnicity um, community development programs I think we're seeing I think we're seeing a little of that um, we're seeing money transfer that's the fifth one that's listed here money transfer and then property transfer um, and then the last the seventh item listed here is some combination of the first six options um interesting right what are your thoughts well it's interesting i think one of the big ones is is property transfer yeah uh, we're not seeing much thing. of that yes <laughs> um there's a uh some some of the land that's uh being owned right now by white people um were, were was gotten under uh maybe a legal document that transferred the land from the black people to the white people and as far as they're concerned, it was legally done. But there's also um, a, a, a thing called, you know, selling property under duress. Uh, when you sell you know, something under duress, you know, either you're going to sell it or you're going to die or they're going to take it. So right. uh, yeah. they need to look at those uh, you know, type of documents. Mm -hmm. out of the confiscation of land, because that's the section that immediately preceded this piece on reparations in this in this textbook. Right. right. At, there were a confiscation arrangements um, pertinent to many lands in the South, um, whereby, yeah, we, we lost it all. We lost it all. Very interesting. Go ahead. We did. But I think you'll find a lot of that. If you look, if you start researching what happened right after uh, the Nat Turner Rebellion, you're going to find that a lot of the land that Blacks owned was sold off. Um, because the white person, the white man, 
was afraid to allow blacks to have land because they didn't want this uh, rebellion to happen uh, in their territory. And they would go and try to buy off as much land as they could from the black people. So um, I know that happened in my hometown on the Eastern Shore. So I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, very interesting. We've got about two minutes remaining, one minute remaining. Um, and I want to make sure we reiterate the details for how individuals can participate um, and how they can encourage their youth to participate in the upcoming Still Walking for Racial Justice and Equity uh, juried art contest for youth. Sure. So they are um, from ages 10 to 24. Uh, there's be one, there'll be one group from 10 to 14, uh, one group from 15 to 20, and one group from 21 to 24 to make it nice and fair. All they have to do is first of all, submit their artwork to me uh, in the uh, email and I'll send you the flyer. And that's uh, we our will... press, if you want to submit the artwork, it's our press, R-P-R-E-S-S-S-R at AOL.com. Right. So that's right. our press senior, R-P-R-E-S-S-S-R at AOL.com. Right, and uh, there's a phone number on there that they can also call me. Uh, I would gather all the pictures and I would give them to our jury. Uh, and then we'll notify the, uh, the youth that their work has been selected. And then just be present and bring your work on that day, on June the 19th. And we'll take it from there. Perfect. Richard, I want to thank you so much for this interview and for the great work that you're doing uh, as an artist and at and through your artistry uh, as a community activist. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today. Very honored to uh, have had Mr. Curtis Lassiter with us, uh, as well as um, Mr. Michael Gray with Apex Financial Group of Virginia. Certainly honored to have Richard Press with us today as well. Uh, looking forward, of course, to the upcoming Juneteenth uh, events, including the Still Walking for Racial Justice and Equity uh, event. Again, you can reach Richard Press and submit art by contacting him at 757-303-0253, uh, as well as by sending an email to R-P-R-E-S-S-S-R at AOL.com. And thanks so much for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds building connections and forging the path ahead toward business success in the black community. We'll talk next week. This show was brought to you by the consulting services of Positive Vibes Incorporated. We do credit fixes, we do debt restructuring, and we put money in the pockets of real estate investors. So give us a call. We can fix your credit we can restructure your debt and if you're a real estate investor i would love to put thousands of dollars into your pockets 757-932-0177 that's 757-932-0177 stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the Black community is the Black community. 
not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street.